Welcome to I'd Rather Stay In with your hosts, Megan Myers and Steffi Predmore. This week, we're chatting with our friend, Andy Costin, about deconstruction from religion. Stay tuned. Do you love listening to I'd Rather Stay In and want to support the podcast? Well, now you can. Visit our website or the link in our Instagram profile and click buy me a coffee or visit buymeacoffee.com slash IRSI podcast. For the price of a cup of coffee, you can help us cover the costs of creating this podcast. There are no monthly memberships and you can support us at whatever level you like, whenever you like. Whether you buy us one coffee, many coffees, or simply continue listening as always, we're so grateful for your support. Hello, Steffi. How's it going, Megan? Pretty good. We had our school open house today. Sounds terrible. Uh, it was not as bad as I was expecting. Um, I thought it would be more like our previous school, where the open house was you had to basically use your kid's schedule Ew. and go from class to class, and then in each class they would talk to you. Oh, I remember that from freshman in high school like open house orientation I remember that we did that yeah so I thought that would be what it would be like because they that was what the parents did when we started sixth grade but this was super chill situation where we just went into the cafeteria and they had like tables set up and we talked to some of the teachers oh that's nice (laughs) no we just they have um so they do pods basically where they divide up all the kids and so they just had our pods teachers at a table and we waited in line and then talked to them and then we looked at each other and we're like well what are we supposed to do now because uh did you just that's it (laughs) well we went we went down the hall and looked at where their classrooms were and then uh basically yeah but basically just left because there was nothing really to do um and we didn't bring him with us but Almost every other family had their kid with them. <laughs> that sounds really boring for the kids. Well, we were waiting outside, and there were all these kids there. Well, especially because the kids have already started school, so they've met the teachers. It's not like this is... Yeah, I think it's meant to be more... I would guess it was supposed to be more of like a your kids would then introduce the teachers to you and vice versa, and it would be a, oh, a back-and-forth situation. No, of course not. We would have to ask him who everyone was. Uh, so we didn't bring him because we also didn't really have enough information, really. They were just like, it's open house. Come to the cafeteria. And we're like, uh, okay. Um, but we were we were thinking it was going to last the entire scheduled time, but it was really just a come and go thing. Oh, well, okay. That is definitely much better than yes. whatever we were both imagining. That's, that's yeah, I guess it was... I don't know. It was weird because, you know, everyone has masks on and stuff, so we met the teachers, but also not really. You'll never, you will not recognize them if you run into them at the grocery store. No. I mean, I wouldn't anyway. I am that person when I go grocery shopping that I am in, like, the grocery shopping zone. You are face blind. I completely face blind. I ignore everyone else around me. Super famous people could be in the next aisle. I would have no idea. I, just, I am like that. Just I don't pay life. any attention. I got a, I got goals to take care of. I 
can't be bothered with who else is at the grocery store, apparently. <laughs> I mean, same. <laughs> so I texted you this morning that about something that you were like, we need to discuss this on the podcast. So a couple of nights ago, as I was like getting ready to fall asleep, I had this anxiety spiral about the fact that we can't know that what I see as a certain color is the same thing that you see as that certain color. And it's the same thing that like our husbands see as that color and so on and so forth. And it sent me into this like really ridiculous anxiety spiral just before I fell asleep. Did you know that that is probably true though? I can't handle I like can't handle it. Okay. So I think that this happened because I had been watching New Girl and it like I just was had just like watched part of the episode. It, like there's an episode in one of the later seasons where Winston gets colorblind glasses. Like apparently Winston's been colorblind this whole time. Yeah. And so he gets his colorblind glasses. And I think that that like triggered in my brain, like, oh my God, how do, how do we know that what I see as blue is what you see as blue and what's the other person sees as blue. And oh my God, we don't know. And you could be seeing something totally different than what I'm seeing and we would never know. And oh my God. And like the anxiety just like spiked. (laughs) (laughs) Like I couldn't handle it. And I had to like occupy my brain else ways because I was straight up having anxiety about it (laughs) and then I texted our friend Bethany about it last night too and she was like why would you do this to me and I was like because I can't suffer by myself obviously right so in case anyone else wanted to anxiety spiral about seeing colors you're welcome uh yeah, it's uh, it's interesting though. It's actually like a chromosomal thing. Yeah, on, it me on how you see colors, aside from color blindness. But it also started making me think about, aside from that, just in general, like everything that you perceive in life. Where, like, if we're both listening to the same song, do yes. you hear the song the same oh way that God. I hear the song? Oh no, I already have enough trouble with like, because you're like. When I am talking, my voice sounds different to me as I am talking than it sounds to you as I, as you are listening to me. I already have enough problems with that whole thing. And that's like a f- easy thing to wrap your mind around as to why that happens. Mm-hmm. But the rest of it, like, I, I, it's too much. It's too much. My, no, uh-uh. my brain is too small. Cannot handle. You Come and Reese could have a, have a, you guys could have a good long conversation about that. I just, I, oh dear. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't like, he didn't like listening to the podcast episode because his voice sounds so different to him. Oh, well, yeah. Welcome to listening to yourself. Right? Talk. It's a very strange, yeah, it's very, very strange. Uh, That, and like I said, that is easy enough to wrap your mind around in terms of why, but, mm-hmm, yeah, thinking about the fact that, like, everything else, just everything, everything, ah, too hard. Nope. Uh, I mean, could we get into then how you look in a mirror is completely different than how you look when you take a picture of yourself? I mean, yes, like also what, that. How, how, taking a picture of yourself is basically a mirror 
And but yet, it looks different. <laughs> and yet. <laughs> and yet. You're like, oh, that's how people see me? If you look at the goddamn mirror, that's also how people see you. And yet. <laughs> like, I, I don't. Oh, man. Okay, well, in case anyone else needed to just, like, have their minds blown a tiny little bit, you're welcome. Please message me so we can anxiety spiral about this together. Thank you very much. We've got 99 problems. Uh (laughs) (laughs) So we have talked before about the often harmful effects of religion and how religion and faith don't necessarily go hand in hand. Today we're going a bit further into this idea by unpacking the concept of deconstruction. To do so, we're joined again by friend of the pod, Andy Costin. Welcome, Andy. Hi. Hi, Andy. (laughs) Hello. Did we blow your mind thinking about colors? I am having flashbacks. I have anxiety now. (laughs) You're Um, welcome. (laughs) I'm not going to sleep. This is something that I have legitimately thought about before, and it too has kept me. I've spent like hours Googling. Yeah. It's very. Uh huh. Yep. So you're welcome for uh, your tonight's anxiety spiral. Uh, But (laughs) it's been a while. You're welcome. So it's been a while since you were last on the podcast. What's new with you since then? Uh, A lot. A lot. Um, So the last time I was on, we talked about the Enneagram. Yes. Uh, And I think one of the most important things that has changed in my life is that I have changed my Enneagram number. Tell us more. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we talked a lot about how I, the least amount of research that I'd done is on the Enneagram 5. And so after the podcast, I like deep dove into back into the Enneagram through all of the numbers. And so I have this theory that when you start working through your trauma, you can not necessarily change your Enneagram, but different aspects of your personality don't become as prominent and other aspects become more prominent. Um, And so I was a four and I truly think that I'm a five wing four now. So I just thought I'd share that very big update that I know your listeners have just been, you know, dying to know. Which also explains why you have Googled extensively the whole color extensively. issue. Extensively. Because Enneagram 5. <laughs> right. Research, Welcome. Welcome research. to the dark side. <laughs> the dark side. Dun, dun, dun. Well, last week, Megan was talking about, and this was also in a group text, that she saw something about, like, there was an accident in a grain, in a grain silo and someone died. And that apparently, like, if this happens, like, you have a 45% chance of dying. And she was oh, like, of course yeah. I glommed onto that fact. So. <laughs> I know all about right. it. <laughs> I know you are not supposed to move if you are in grain. See? Oh, my God. Look at you two. This is trouble. This is trouble. <laughs> I, I grew up in farm country. This is, like. We are taught this. Even we, I never grew up on a farm. I had friends who had farms. They didn't have silos, though. They had cows. But we were like, if you're in a silo, don't move. <laughs> but also, okay, I have a question then. Okay. So if you are going into a silo because you have to, to fix whatever. <laughs> right. Like, don't you have, like, a person? Like, you don't go in alone. No, you're not supposed to. You're supposed to be harnessed. 
um, you know, back in the olden day, it was just a rope, but now they have harnesses. Now they have like special shoes that look like, um, like snowshoes. So, Mm -hmm. because, you know, it's like quicksand, like if you have a wider base, then you're less likely to sink. Right. See how those things make sense. I don't know if the person had all of these things, but these are logical solutions to me that. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, being a five, we also have a wing of a six. We got to think about safety, people. Also, don't go into a grain silo. Right. (laughs) Don't do it. Maybe don't. Just 45% chance here. Don't do it. So there you go, you guys. All of the things that you didn't know you needed to be anxious about. We are your one-stop shop for anxiety. Um, So in addition, you have also moved since we last talked to you. Yes. uh, Just about a month ago, we moved from rural northern Michigan. Uh, And when I mean rural, I mean we had one stoplight. Um, Yeah, it was close quarters um and we moved to the charlotte north carolina area which is you know like eight hundred thousand people so i love going to the grocery store and not knowing anybody <laughs> and also having like a better selection of things to choose from oh yeah especially friends <laughs> i'm gonna go to the grocery store and pick up some friends yeah See you later. <laughs> I have this one new friend, and the, like we haven't never met. Um, we she got my phone number off my kid's class list and was texting me about a birthday party, and now she thinks we're like BFF after like a week. Oh, um, yeah. I love it. Yeah, she, we she like texts me every day, like uh, sends me you know gifts, gifs, however you want to pronounce it. I'm like, this is my kind of friendship. This is your love language. Uh, This is my love language because I am an extroverted introvert, so I love talking to people, but I don't want to be in their presence. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) Well, that is extremely exciting. Uh, I've been enjoying following along with your uh, new adventures on Instagram stories and your new new town and winter is going to be a whole new exciting time for you i'm so excited (laughs) i've already north yeah right um i've already when people find out from michigan that i'm from michigan the first thing they say is oh you're gonna hate us in the winter (laughs) (laughs) yeah there'll be one snowflake and everything will be shut shut down down. (laughs) yeah and I, I think I'm going to capitalize on this because, you know, capitalism. Um, I think that I'm going to start a business where when everything shuts down, I'll get your groceries for you. Perfect. Yeah. Like I'll boatload yeah. of money. I'm, I'll be the only one out there. You will be the only Instacart driver because everyone yes. else would be like, it's too scary. It's too scary. And I'll be out there in my, you know, suburban, just cruising, doing 360s in the parking lot. I think uh, I think Megan experienced that probably when she moved from uh, Minnesota down to Texas. Oh yeah, no, there. Oh yeah, I mean when when it would snow, people would just like lose their minds, and then I would just go to work like normal, not normal. <laughs> well, because we didn't like it didn't count as a day off, you right. know, because yeah. corporate, and uh, no one would be there, and it'd be great. I love that. Oh, man. All right. So before we get too far into our the actual co- topic of conversation, uh, Andy, can you define what deconstruction actually is with regards to religion and Christianity? 
Oh, boy. Um, so it's actually interesting to define deconstruction in general. And if you are on the interwebs and you and you Google it, there are so many people who have so many opinions on what deconstruction is. And you can deconstruct anything. Um, but the way I define it is deconstruction is like a stepping back. So you feel like you've already arrived somewhere. And then you start stepping back peeling back layers, you know, if you want to imagine like a wall, you've already built your wall and you start, um, you know, taking it down brick by brick um, to find out, you know, it, it's it's kind of like an unlearning to find out why is the foundation the way it is? Why, how did I get here um, in my journey? And it's kind of a combination of an unlearning and a relearning and a de-learning all at once. You can't just unlearn because then you have to relearn something to take its place. Um, so yeah, it's it's so complicated. I love listening to people discuss the definition of deconstruction um, because there's no finite answer. It's it's whatever anyone really wants it to be, however it works for you in your life. Can you share a little bit about your religious background? So I was raised Christian Reformed, um, like super Christian Reformed. <laughs> the, um, the family that I grew up in is connected very deeply with one of the main Christian Reform universities, uh, so much so that my uncle was the president at one point of this university. So um, I wasn't just a little bit Christian Reformed. I was very Christian Reformed. Um, and can, and you, can you define what that Christian Reformed means? Uh, we're Calvinist. Okay. So um, Calvinist is the there's there's calvinism and then there's arminianism and calvinism is everything is prefated you have free will but you're destined sure that makes sense total sense total sense oh that also means you're super dutch super dutch super dutch um my parents are both 100 percent dutch and they are third generation um coming to this country so like they're three generations being in america and they're still 100 percent dutch that's, a, um, that's incredible <laughs> yeah right like that's you marry a dutch person i mean they went to um they they went to calvin college so it was you know 99.9 percent dutch people <laughs> um and my mom went to get her mrs degree and succeeded so there's that <laughs> Um, yeah, so they're super Dutch, which is funny because I'm actually adopted. And for the longest time, um, my biological family said that I was Irish and German. And I did a DNA test and I found out that I'm 25% Dutch. And my parents, <laughs> <laughs> my parents were so excited. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, uh, I did. When I, I told them, like, most of my DNA actually links back to being a Viking. And my dad thought that was funny because he goes, "That's that explains a lot about your personality. But then, but then I said, but I am 25% Dutch. And my mom, it was like I'd been resaved. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, that's the best news I've ever heard. I was like, I've given you four grandchildren and that's the best news that you've ever heard. <laughs> You know what, <laughs> parents, right? <laughs> so, a- 
anyway, so you are Calvinist. Well, I was. was. I was. You grew <laughs> up Calvinist. I grew yes. up Calvinist. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It was and interesting. So, so you, so you obviously you grew up going to church all you know weekly, probably weekly. multiple times a week. I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, once on Wednesday, twice on Sundays, mm-hmm. and anything that was offered in between. Yep. What? Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I grew up evangelical, uh, Pentecostal evangelical. So that oh, sounds yeah. about right. And yes. We have the Pentecostals in, in Calvinist, uh, the CRA, we have the same schedule, except yeah. we don't believe in speaking in tongues. So yeah. if you even Which, try, you're cast out. I actually, one of my, one of our, our friends, Caleb, who grew up in church with me, he's been on the pod a couple of times. He sent me a TikTok uh, last night from a guy who was talking about how he has since left the church, but uh, he was talking about how he grew up in a church where they spoke in tongues. And so one day he's like, I just knew I was going to do it. And I just said, Shamala Hamala. Shamala Hamala. Yes. Everyone started just saying, Shamala Hamala. <laughs> I he know. Was like, what up, Jesus? Shamala Hamala. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know what TikTok you're talking about. I yes. follow him. He's so, so it's funny. Very, very funny. So, okay, so you grew up super religious uh, in this church, going to church multiple times a week. Like, it, church religion is a big deal for, for you. At what point did you begin your deconstruction process? And did you even realize that's what was happening at the time? Oh, boy. Um, I think it was probably around the same time that I went through... Um, I guess I was probably 34 and I'm 29 now. So (laughs) (laughs) just a couple years ago, um, I, I started going to intense, um, trauma therapy and it, it all started with, um, I was having symptoms of PTSD and my husband basically said, you need to get in therapy or we're going to have some issues. Um, especially because I'm the primary caregiver for our children. He's like, you're not going to pass this on. You got to deal with your shit. Um, so I did mostly because, you know, like what am I, what else am I going to do? Um, fair. What, right. Uh, so I started going to therapy. I was going multiple times a week. It was all, you know, specifically related, related to my symptoms. Um, my PTSD symptoms, which stemmed from, trauma as a child, um, being adopted. And as I started to come out of the, what we label the adoptee fog, which BTW is just a fancy name for deconstruction of adoption in your life. Um, bam. Oh, there it is. (laughs) So as I started to deconstruct my adoption story, my adoption story is like a lot of adoptees, um, very, intertwined with our faith um and and that has to do with the church teaching our parents that the best way to you know save people or continue christianity or to help the orphans and the widows is to adopt children um so yeah that's where it all started i think and and it, i didn't even realize i was deconstructing my faith i think it just was you know like i said earlier it, in my definition it was a walk back i started with my trauma symptoms uh ptsd symptoms then 
you know, adoption, fog, and then I started connecting those dots between my faith and um, how that affected my trauma, my childhood trauma. So what has deconstruction looked for you, looked like for you personally? Uh, A lot of times scrolling through Instagram um, (laughs) (laughs) at 2 a.m. when I'm worried about my voice sounding different or... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my colors look colors yeah that's that's kind of where it started honestly um because instagram especially last year was a huge way that i could connect to people um you know again it started with an adoption community i was able to connect with an adoption community and through that started you know learning things um you know i learned more about racism i learned more about um you know deconstruction through that community and they kind of pointed me towards the way like you know head over to this account you'll find this interesting head over to that account you'll find this interesting um so that's truly like where I started um deconstructing seriously was reading other people's stories of how they've deconstructed listening to other adoptees who were also raised in evangelical families and who you know either have deconstructed their faith or walked away from faith completely um so i kind of just hopped on other people's trains for the ride and have just learned so much from the people who have already done this do you worry at all that by, and it's not like a commentary on you personally or anything, but by, um, I guess, leaning so heavily on other people's learnings and sharings that that might be coloring your personal views and deconstruction thoughts about the whole thing? It's an it's a valid concern. And in the deconstruction community, we actually talk about that a lot that we need to make sure we're not consuming one specific area. Um, You know, just like when you go to college, you study a broad array of subjects. And for, you know, for me being an Enneagram 5, it has been my intent that I make sure that I am listening to voices that are varied and ones that I even disagree with so that I can be, you know, weighing all options and, um, throwing around different ideas in my head at all times. And, and that's been interesting, too, because I, you know, will one day think one way about something and then be introduced to an idea that I completely disagree with. And a week later, I'm like, oh, I totally agree with that now. Um, so it is something, you know, in any area of growth to be to be aware of. Um, and, and in the community, we do talk about that. Um and by the community, there's not like a specific group of us. It's just, you know, the broad whoever is out there community, whoever is involved in the discussion. Yeah, I I think it's interesting because like I didn't have a word for this until like the in the last year um, when like I saw you sharing some things and some other folks that we know were sharing some things. Um, and I realized like for me, I've been going through this process for probably years now. Um, and so it, it's been interesting to kind of follow 
this like deconstruction um, on TikTok a lot of times and on Instagram as well. A lot of times they call them the ex-evangelical yep. <laughs> like, community um, because uh, it, it gave me a word for what I had been mentally kind of just noodling over by myself for a really long time. Um, and I, I think it's interesting that you talk about like this last year in particular, sort of throwing um, a bright spotlight on the harm that the church has done um, and like really sort of throwing this deconstruction process almost into overdrive. Yeah. I, you guys are absolutely going to love this imagery that I'm about to bestow upon you. Um, 2020 to me was like in Fast and Furious when they hit the red button. (laughs) The NOS gas goes through, you know, in like the first movie they showed you, like it was, you know, CGI, it was new. So it showed you the the gas, you know, or whatever, going through all the, the lines and it hits the engine and it like, you know. Suddenly they're going 250 miles an hour downtown, I don't know, Detroit. Um, So that's what I think of is that like 2020 was like this huge, you know, I don't know, explosion in in revealing of, of, of the harm that the church not only is doing, but has done. And so I think for a lot of us who were kind of on the edge already, it was a huge, like, push off the cliff. Yeah. Yeah. I will just say I have no idea what you're talking about because I have never seen those movies. <laughs> but you- I would I would like to add, though, that I think for – I think in 2020 that that is – that analogy and that concept is super applicable to, like, almost everything. Mm-hmm. For sure. Because you meant, you're talking about the church, but I'm thinking about like our jobs. We kind of just were like, no, blow this up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the capitalism and a so many of, other a things. Lot of just everything. Really, yeah, a lot of people we're really just tired coming. Of it. Yeah, really coming. Yeah. Like waking up to white supremacy and mm-hmm. their own um, white privilege that maybe they hadn't thought about before. Yeah, I think that I think that the last like year and a half has just been a big deconstruction process for a lot of us in a lot of different areas for sure yeah it's it's the whole wizard of oz don't look at the man behind the curtain and the curtain Mm -hmm. has been like ripped down if we want to talk about curtains ripping in faith (laughs) (laughs) there you go (laughs) yes um okay so i do i do want to talk about the difference between faith and the church because We've talked about this on the podcast before. There is a big difference between those things. And so I I would love to hear you talk about how your deconstruction has affected your faith and how you've separated that from, like, church rituals, uh, the, like, larger church community, like, all of that stuff. So growing up, again, in a Calvinist, you know, CRC home, a Calvinist Dutch CRC home, the church, my faith, family was all combined. It was all one. And so separating those is extremely difficult. And I know there are other, you know, different um, ethnicities, different races, different, um, 
oh shoot, I just lost the word, denominations. Mm-hmm. There we go. <laughs> there's, there's all these different combinations. I know I'm not the only one who experiences this. These three are so combined and so woven together that it was extremely difficult to separate them. And I was taught growing up that the church is my family. I was taught growing up that, you know, my faith is the church. So understanding that my faith, my spirituality, how I view, um, you know, God, the earth, the people around me is completely different from the church, which is an organization. And that's difficult to separate because in the Bible, it calls, you know, it it says the church and it refers to a group of people. And so it's very difficult to deconstruct that because how do you take that from the Bible's interpretation of the church, which is the people, to today, which is a religious organization? And and for me, it was the realization that when Jesus came and he tried to separate the church, the people, from the religious organization, it didn't happen. We just took Jesus and inserted it inserted him into the religious organization. We didn't make that separation. Mm -hmm. And so the deconstruction is each generation since has had groups of people. Like deconstruction isn't new. I mean, we can go back to the 60s and talk about hippies. Like they they were some pretty hardcore deconstructionists. And so it's that separating of the organization, the capitalism from the faith the people, the community, and then take it another step from your family, because family is so integral to many faiths. And you are taught that if you leave your family, you leave your faith, or if you leave your faith, you're going to have to leave your family. And it's incredibly difficult to separate those all at once. Um, Before we go into our next question, I want to actually touch on this, like, that the organization is family because Megan and I were talking about this a couple weeks ago. Um, we were talking about how a lot of um, like jobs will say like, Oh, we're a big family, but families don't turn their back on. Like it's used to gaslight you. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think that that's, uh, yeah, it's, it, this is beware of organizations that tell you like, we're all a big family because what families don't, families should not just turn their backs on people right. and like use you and abuse you. Uh, so like beware of, beware of the gaslighting. <laughs> it's, and it's so, it's, you know, gaslighting in the whole family aspect is such a white supremacist idea and it's such a narcissistic idea you know this idea that we're family so I'm going to use and abuse you like where did that come from seriously because it 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 is gaslighting and it is traumatizing when you're told you know, on all levels of this deconstruction, your church is your family, your faith is your family, your family is your family. Well, all three of those, you know, my faith, my my church, my family have harmed me in some way. So we have to even deconstruct the idea of what is family. Mm-hmm. 
And, and this is how layer deconstruction can get because you're not just deconstructing your faith or your religion. You're deconstructing so many ideas at once because white supremacy is directly tied to the Christian evangelical faith, which is directly tied to, you know, narcissism and abuse in the church and, you know, on and on and on and on. So how has this deconstruction affected your family relationships? It's complicated. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, well, first of all, I have like 8 million families. So um, it has affected, you know, and I handle it differently with each one. You know, my, my family here in my home that is currently all sleeping. Um, praise be. Thank you, melatonin. <laughs> Mama's got a meeting. Here, take this pill. Um, we love a melatonin gummy. Yes. Um, and then the baby tries to eat like six of them. Um, fine. Yeah, it's fine. Um, so within my own family, with between my marriage, let's go there. Like, it was really difficult at first. It was very rocky because we built our marriage in the evangelical church. Now, granted, my husband and I were both the black sheep of the family. Like, the fact that my husband it got married, his family was just rejoicing. Um, <laughs> Finally! We got, yeah. Did they, did they tell you no take backs? Oh, it, yeah. It was, it's quite humorous because my husband and I, I think I told you this on the last podcast, my husband and I dated, broke up for four years, and then got back together and got married. While he was such a black sheep, by the time that I came back around, a good Christian girl, it w- I can do anything. Like, I could murder somebody, and my in-laws would be like, oh, my gosh, you're so perfect. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. You probably, it was probably justified. Um, oh, yeah. So, you know, in my marriage, it was a little rocky because it really meant we had built so much of our own marriage on how a marriage should look in the evangelical church. Very traditional roles. He goes to work. I stay home. I deal with the kids. I'm the primary caregiver. I cook. I clean. You know, he fixes the cars. It was so, I mean, it's just so traditional. And so kind of the deconstruction in our marriage is a more fluid interpretation of roles and the understanding that, hey, I'm going to have a career and you're going to have to pick up the slack, buddy. Um, and for, you know, it, it's, it's been a more evening out and it's been a very painful, slow process and it's still going on. There's been some incredibly difficult moments in our marriage um, where we, uh, you know, one time we legitimately um, were on the verge of divorce and separating. Um because it's it's so painful because you don't do it at the same time. Mm-hmm. You don't do it in the same steps. One person moves forward and the other person has to catch up. And then that person moves forward and then you have to catch up. Um, so it, in my marriage, it's been really difficult. Um, thankfully, we are so dedicated to each other, mostly because everybody said we were going to get divorced. So we're like, <laughs> we're going to prove them wrong. <laughs> So, yeah, so we are, we've been married for 14 years, and um, next year we will have been married the longest 
out of his family. And I'm like, I am so excited to rub it in everybody's faces. <laughs> this is what happens when an Enneagram 1 and an Enneagram 5 get married. Oh, it's terrible. We just sit on our little mountain of superiority and look down <laughs> on everyone else. Oh, man. And they are like, you're wrong. And we're like, we'll get back to you. Um, yeah, so in, um, in my family, it's been, it's been difficult. It, it truly has, um, been one in my, in one of my biological families. I'm no longer speaking to that side of the family because they cannot accept, they, they cannot move past their way of thinking. And another biological family, we just don't talk about it and we're fine, (laughs) um, which, which works for us. And then yeah. in, you know, my adoptive family, um, I think there's this level of we have seen you grow as a person. We've been with you every single step of the way. We see how you are successful in, in the fact that I've been married. I'm raising kids. Um, you know, I have a stable home. I look stable. I appear stable. So whatever is going on with you with your faith, it's fine. However... A few of my family members, including my mother, will randomly send like super ultra conservative magazines or books or (laughs) children's books or children's devotionals. Like they clearly think that I'm lacking in this area. So subtle guys. Very subtle. Very subtle. Um, We've sent you a year subscription to Clubhouse Junior from Focus on the Family. Okay. Great, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> See what you're doing there. Mm-hmm, nice try. <laughs> oh, man. How has it, so with your kids, um, how has that, how has it affected how you talk about faith and Jesus and God with your kids? Um, it's definitely changed. You know, we used to go to church religiously they used to go to Sunday school um so most of them you know know the basics the Sunday school basics you know oh Noah and the ark um those kinds of things um they do go to a Christian summer camp um so there there is this aspect that religion and faith is part of our lives we we believe in God we believe in Jesus however the way I want my children to learn about Christianity and Jesus and God is completely different than it's taught in the church currently. Mm-hmm. So it means that I have to do a lot more, you know, work on my end to specifically address, you know, um, teaching my children about God, teaching my children about faith. It's become more one-on-one conversations. Right. Um you can't just shuttle yeah. them off to Sunday school every Sunday morning right. and have the work done for you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's not like school where I can send them and they, they get the basics and, you know, I mean, even with school, I still have to do work because, you know, it's a whitewashed education. That's right. a whole nother podcast. But um, it's, it's the same with church where if my family, you know, if we choose to go back to church after the pandemic. And if we find a church that we feel safe in, like even then I feel I'm going to have to do some work. And and it's it sounds I'm making it sound harder than it really is, because 
these conversations come up so easily when you have kids. Um, you know, they, they talk about, like, the other day, um, my son came home, and they had a project at school, and one of the options was um, you you write down about yourself, and you write down, one of the questions was, what's your gender? And so that conversation came up so easily because it was a conversation of how does God see people and what does it mean when God said love everyone? And, you know, we get out the Bible and we talk about the Bible and we talk about Bible verses, um, but we just look at them so differently than the usual evangelical church. So I was able to have a conversation with my child about God and faith and loving other people and gender all at the same time. But it happens so easily with kids because they're honestly searching for these answers. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So what advice would you give to someone who is in the process of evaluating their relationship with God in the church? Go slow. There's so much to tackle and it's so heavy. Because your faith and your spirituality, your church, your family, it's a part of who you are. And when you start deconstructing that, taking yourself, you're literally taking yourself apart. And you have to take yourself apart while you put other pieces back together so that you cannot crumble. So your foundation doesn't give way. And it's, in, it's so painful some days. And it's so good some other days when you discover something new, when you have an aha moment and it's healing. Um, those are the good days. But it's just, I think some of us in 2020 went through it so fast that we're still like bleeding out. Um, so my, my biggest thing when people ask me about deconstruction is just go slow and, and stick with when you're just starting out, stick with the basics. Stick with a few people who are trustworthy. Um, if you can, find a mentor who's already done it before. Yeah. I, I, I think that it's been interesting um, to, like, watch certain, um, like, Christian influencers, like, kind of going through this process in real time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially uh, ones who have been a huge part of the evangelical church for so long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jen Hatmaker comes to mind. Mm -hmm. uh, Glennon Doyle comes to mind. Mm -hmm. Like, the, they were so big in the evangelical church community mm -hmm. and, like, big names. And when they started these processes, like, they were, I mean obviously they were influencers and so they were sort of doing it publicly and having the church tell them like you are no longer welcome mm -hmm. to speak at our conferences and like all of these things and um it's been interesting because i've sort of been watching them a lot of them go through this at the same time that i'm working through a lot of these things um so it, it is it's it is interesting um to like and because I, I do think that they were those two in particular were sort of like the first ones that I was really watching kind of mm -hmm. go through this um, and then started to like follow some more people. And then I got on TikTok and now I'm deep in the rabbit hole. <laughs> You're deep in. I'm deep in my yeah. FYP <laughs> nose. It's like, mm, I think she used to be evangelical. Yeah. Let's <laughs> put her in the ex-evangelical TikTok. Like oh my all of this stuff. So yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I like that that goes going slow advice because I, I really do think that I've, I've been processing a lot of this 
really since I started college. And so, you know, it's really been since I was 18, 19, 20 years old that I really kind of started to ask myself some bigger questions mm-hmm. uh, about some of the things that I had been taught and taught that I wasn't supposed to question. Uh, and realizing that my whole life I've been asking questions that no one wanted me to ask. And so I was told to stop asking the questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and now as an adult, I'm like coming back to them and being like, yo, I was like told I really shouldn't ask that question, but that's a really good question to be asking. So, <laughs> um, so I mean, yeah, for me, it's been like 10, 12, 14, 15 years and I'm still figuring it out. So like, it's just not an overnight thing. Guys. No, it's definitely lifelong. I, I have a funny story, you know, going back to college days. This is this is probably when I first realized that I wasn't going to grow up and be Calvinist. We had this class. I went I, my first year of college. I went to Calvin College because that's what you did in my family. <laughs> and uh, so we you had this freshman class and it was all, you know, like. It was supposed to be like an introduction class. You know, every college has like a freshman class that everybody has to take. And this was it. Um, And I got into an argument with the professor about free will. And I got kicked out of class. (laughs) 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 Like my uncle was the president at the time I went there. He got a call from the professor. And then I got a call from my grandmother. (laughs) Oh, shit. It was bad news. But yeah, like it's lifelong. And I think that you can never really arrive. I think because as we grow and we learn new things about ourselves and we enter into new periods of life, I mean, especially like having kids, suddenly you're responsible for something and you don't want to mess it up. So you start questioning everything. So I think there's this, you know, go slow applies to it's really a lifelong journey. Yeah, having and becoming a parent has definitely like made me think about it in a whole new way because I, I think about like how do I wanna teach her to love like the Jesus that I know mm-hmm. and not love the way that the church love in quotation marks the way that the church pretends to. Mm-hmm. And how do I how do I teach her about those things and about the nuance of those things as she gets older and like all of that stuff. And she's 18 months old. Like we're not teaching her nuance of diddly shit at this point. <laughs> but Like it's still like a question in my mind. Like yeah. how do I approach that as she gets older? So yeah, I don't think it'll ever be, I think you're right. There's no arrival. It's just an ongoing journey mm-hmm. in case that makes anyone less anxious. <laughs> and back to the anxiety back that to we were talking anxiety. about earlier. I, I I think you could just take 2020 and just put that as an example of like what not to do as a Christian. Yeah, that's honestly, <laughs> honestly, our history books are writing it for us. Yeah, <laughs> yep. I think when we start actually, like when my kids are 18, we're starting to get into serious conversation and be like, let me tell you about the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> right, because you're going to be like, look, you lived through it, but like, let's talk about it from a new perspective. Yeah. It's kids. been 10 years. <laughs> right, right. Do you have any resources that have been helpful for you, aside from social media, as you continue to reexamine your belief systems? You know, there's been, you know, Stephanie, Stephanie mentioned um, people like Jen Hatmaker, 
the more recent books she's written. Uh, one other person that's been really helpful for me is is uh, Beth Moore, who recently renounced the Baptist denomination, um, which was like a big deal. Um, her more recent devotionals have been so revealing. Um, yeah, that's that's where I'm at is just kind of following the lead of these women who've gone before me um, hoping that those who are on social media one day write books um, so that I can continue to learn from them in a more you know research type manner that's amazing thank you so much for uh, being here and for talking this through with us today so uh let's let's wrap up the week with joy we've we've talked about a lot of anxiety related things so let's let's pivot a little bit there pivot pivot. what is bringing you joy this week andy um so one of my instagram followers sent me this link last week to this thing called the sleep hug have you heard of it tell us more it's literally stretchy material that's sewn into like a noodle pod like shape and you crawl into it and it's super it's not like tight where you want to feel like you're gonna die but it, it's more like a nice hug um it's like the snuggie but snuggier <laughs> <laughs> so I ordered one and I got one for my son, actually. Um, he's neuro- neurodivergent, and he slept in it for the last, like, four nights. Um, and it's the coolest thing. I've been walking around my house at nighttime. It's literally like a noodle of fabric that just is stretchy. Well, it's, not like, it's not like a pocket, so you can stick your feet out yeah. when your feet yeah. get hot. Oh, they which have I, two. Which they- is, like, a genius. Like, yeah. so, someone really thought this through of, like, okay, you're in, you're, like, little sleeping pod but then you get hot and you need to stick your feet out of the covers we'll just make a little pocket so you can stick your feet out right or shuffle around the house to get your midnight cheese (laughs) (laughs) so but they they failed i'm actually writing into the company because there's no pocket in it like how the heck am i yeah how am i supposed to carry my phone or my chunk my block of night cheese anywhere they were just they were just really underestimating the need for the night cheese right (laughs) So I actually think I might sew my own pocket in. But the cheese pocket. The cheese pocket. This thing is, it's act, it sounds so silly. It sounds so stupid. It's totally, it was on Shark Tank. Like, that's how, you know. That's how you know. Yeah. Anyway, but I love it. And um, all my kids want one. So Well, you shared it on Instagram, and I was like, okay, but imagine that, and then a weighted blanket on top. Like, I I feel cozy just thinking about it. Yeah. It's so I when I ordered it I'm like this is going to be dumb. This isn't going to do anything for me like but honestly my like my followers paid for it specifically so I'm like I'm going to honor them and their money and not go spend it on cheese and actually <laughs> buy this thing. And I love it. Like I at nighttime I bring it up around my neck and it like holds my arm. I feel like a little baby in the womb. And there's also another benefit. My husband can't get to me when I'm sleeping. <laughs> like his hand reaches over. I'm like, I'm in my, I'm in my pot. Leave me alone. I'm unreachable. Goodbye. Yeah. Get through this sucker. <laughs> you can get a bra off, but can you get this off? 
Oh my god, that's amazing. I feel like I, I don't know, I, I'm conflicted because I feel like I might like it, but I also feel like I might feel very trapped. See, that's how, that's exactly what I thought when I ordered it. But the saving grace is the fact that on, you can flip your feet out. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, like once my feet are free, I'm like, oh, this is fine. Now when I'm sitting on the couch watching a movie, I want my toes to be covered, then I feel cozy. But like, it's not tight enough where you feel like, you know, your kid's sitting on top of you and this is the end of the world. (laughs) (laughs) Because when I got my weighted blanket, like the first couple of times sleeping with it, like I definitely felt like I was going to die. Yeah. But I'm used to it now. But. Yeah, and it even says on the card that comes with it, please allow seven to ten nights of acclimation to sleeping in the pot. <laughs> That's, oh so many nights. That's so many nights. That's so many nights. That's a whole week of nights. It's <laughs> a whole week of possibly not sleeping. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, I got to check this out because uh, it sounds great. It's a good time. So that's yeah. what's bringing me joy this week is my sleep pod. Okay, what, wait, what's it really called again? It's like the Hug Sleep. You can get it on Amazon. They have a website, but it's cheaper on Amazon. Yeah, and they do. They call it a sleep pod. Yeah, but that's the brand really is Hug Sleep, and they call it the sleep pod. Yeah. Amazing. We'll it, link to it in the uh, show notes, guys. Awesome. In case, it rem- in case anyone wants one. It reminds me of, I'm going to date myself. They honestly remind me of the movie Cocoon. <laughs> I yeah. watched that at like four years old and was traumatized. And But that's all I can think of. I also kind of like this because like a lot of times I throw my blankets off in the middle of the night. But then I like immediately wake up and I'm like, ah, my blankets. You can't throw it off. No, so... you're stuck. But in like a good way. Like my son... Um, in a way that your spouse can't hog the blankets. Yeah, exactly. Like it's on, there's nowhere it's going. Your spouse cannot fit in this with you. There's no, (laughs) there's no double pod. (laughs) This is a one person only pod. You, you can get a double hammock. You can get a double sleeping bag. You cannot get a double pod. Oh my God. Amazing. That might be the best thing about it. Though I I might try now just for Instagram laughs. See how many of your kids you can fit in yes! the pod together. It's happening. <laughs> oh, amazing. <laughs> Steffi, what's bringing you joy? Um, so discovered that Lego has some, like, really dope-ass Lego sets on their website. <laughs> and, like, I kind of want to be a Lego adult now. <laughs> uh, they have like this like flower bouquet that is so cute. They have like a bird of paradise plant. Like they've got some cute shit, guys. Hold I'm on, like, I'm on my phone. I'm going to look it up right now. They're it's so cute. And I really really want one of these sets now. They also have like they also have a number of like you know cool like villages and like like Harry Potter themed stuff and like other fandom stuff. But for I just the flower bouquet is really pretty and cute all at the same time. They have a Christmas wreath. Yes, they've got some really cute stuff. So I mean, you can also get the Coliseum for the low low price of five hundred and forty nine dollars and ninety nine cents. That's what I paid to see the actual Coliseum. 
<laughs> well, <laughs> for that, you can build one with Legos and keep it in your house. I just... Apparently. <laughs> if I really wanted my husband to leave me, I would get him the Manchester United arena. He would straight up, straight up get up and walk out of the house and never come back. So that's the equivalent of your sleep pod. Yes. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> so uh, I, I've got my, they also have a bonsai tree and you can like switch it out with like the green leaves or the little flowers and the little pink flowers are actually tiny little frogs. <gasps> it's pretty cute. So I, uh, yeah, I, I've got my eye on these cute Lego sets. <laughs> I'm just like on my phone right now. So excited. See? Right? I'm so, this is, so I, my, I have my brother who's 55. I have his original like Legos. So we grew up on Legos and mm-hmm. I'm so excited. I'm looking at Legos that are like now designed for me as an adult. Right. Like these are absolutely designed for adults to make them. Like, these, <gasps> what of them lights have- up? <laughs> well we know the rabbit hole that andy will be going down tonight <laughs> well they totally count on the fact that it's it's the same thing with um you know like harry potter stuff at pottery barn mm-hmm. they're oh, counting yeah. on the fact that all of us who grew up with legos now have disposable money right yes right we have and- a and we had parents that were like, I'm not going to pay for that. I'm not buying you that. And now we can buy it for ourselves because why not? I think the worst part out is, is finding, the worst part though, is finding out that your parents could pay for it. Right. They, that, they totally could have. My they parents, just were like, yeah. no. My parents told me what my inheritance was and my first reaction was, what the hell? I could have had so many ponies. <laughs> What a ripoff! I feel so gypped. We went secondhand store shopping. Seriously? Like, I could have had so many Legos that light up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Megan, what's bringing you joy? Uh, Well, it's not Legos because I have thousands of them in my basement. (laughs) Uh, Doing nothing. Um, I started taking walks in the morning. Which sounds like kind of not exciting, but um, it's been really nice to go in the morning after the right after the kids leave for school and before I start working, and it has just been like a nice, I guess, sort of like a reset for the day. I think, and I catch up on my podcast, and that's so nice. nice. Okay, I I have to take that rabbit trail for just a second, though. Because that reminded me of the conversation that you and I were having with our friend Susanna yesterday about, like, apparently, Andy, have you heard of this? Apparently, there's, like, a, a group of people, like, they're millennials, but they do, like, grandma things, and so they call themselves grand millennials. And apparently, a big thing is wearing nap dresses. Oh, these are my people. Oh, I thought I thought you were going to say that me taking walks was a grandma thing. Well, because you were sort of going on this like, well, because I'm like, what is she going to so do in the close. winter? You're so close. What is she going to do in the winter? Is she going to have to go mall walking because <gasps> it's going to be too cold? And then that led my, this, this is how the ADHD brains work, guys. As I went from, she's taking a nice walk in the morning to mall walking to, is she a grandma to grand millennials to nap dresses? 
which really just look like dresses. I'm very confused. Apparently, it's a very southern thing. So, Andy, now that you live in the south, apparently you have to buy a nap dress. Well, my nickname in college was Grandma, so. <laughs> apparently, you need to buy a nap dress I'm, and find all uh, the ways that you can style it, even though it does not look like it that would actually be comfortable for napping. It just looks like a dress. I can't yeah, wear. Yeah, it's just a dress. Yeah, I can't wear anything that's a dress or a nightgown. It ends up, like, around my throat. <laughs> well, I mean, these things, are they're called nap dresses for whatever reason, but they're, like, basically the same, like, sundresses that had the weird, like, ruching kind yeah, of situation. Yeah, they got, like, the smocking situation. The yeah, the smocking. They're that's a little, They're a little, little house. They've got some little house on the prairie vibes going. Oh, like the dress I wore the other yeah. day. That yes. was a nap dress. The one, the one that I'm going to tie-dye, Steffi. Oh, well, yeah, a little bit. But these are, these are, that one actually, like, could be styled cute. These, I don't, I, I don't have any hope for. I don't these. have any hope. <laughs> I just I, don't see how anything, like, that's gathered under your boobs like that could be comfortable for sleeping. Yeah, no. it's not like, like, I, right now I am wearing a knit, like, t-shirt material, like, maxi dress that is a that that is this is comfortable enough i can sleep in it like it looks fine i can pull it off as like a real outfit but i could i could sleep in it if i wanted this is like cotton material that like would get wrinkled and look rumpled if you did take a nap in it so i just have a lot of questions that i don't think the internet is prepared to answer for me um uh, Hill House Home is like the original That's what I'm dress on. TM. Yeah, they apparently have trademarked the nap dress. It's weird. I don't know. I got I've got questions. Okay, so Steffi's got Legos. I have my hug sleep pod, and you have the the Hill House nap dress. And these the new question is how to keep your husbands at bay. <laughs> <laughs> Come to us for more pro tips. Pro tips. <laughs> Marriage hacks. <laughs> Don't want to have sex? We got you. I I do think it's funny, though, because every time we were looking at these nap dresses and a lot of the pictures that I saw of them are apparently it's the kind of dress where, like, you can either have the sleeves up or the sleeves down. Like, do you want to cover your shoulders or do you want bare shoulders? I'm like, no. No. Yeah. I don't like a convertible shoulder dress. <laughs> I want to just know what my shoulders should be doing in the dress. <laughs> well, isn't that such an Enneagram 5 thing? We need to know the expectations ahead of time. We don't candle yes. change well. So don't give me a trust that the sleeves are going to change on me halfway through the day. That's exactly. Like, are they, is it, because anything that's made like that, you can ha- either have them up or down. You know they're not going to stay up. Right. You'll have to, to get yeah. them to stay up, you'll have to get those those like bracelets that our moms used to wear in the 80s that were like gold and they held your sleeves up <laughs> what yeah have you never my mom was like a biller from my dad's practice she had these like my mom did not have that fancy of a job <laughs> so that's what my mom wore but they were also famous or fav- popular in like the 1920s for people who did a lot of typing like businessmen they'd roll up their sleeves and they had these like clamps that kept their sleeves up. You, you need, need these. The uh, nap dress needs to come with those. Come yes. As, as part of the, the, the $100 price for these I dresses. Demand sleeve enhancers. <laughs> Buy me $125 for this dress. Yes. It, it better uh, come with sleeve enhancers. 
I just tried to Google sleeve binders clothing, and I I don't recommend doing that. <laughs> now we know. Uh, I'm Googling. It came, up with, it came up with compression shirts for men. Oh. To yeah. hide their man boobs. Yep. Because apparently that's okay. a thing that we need to do now. They're called, officially, they're called sleeve garters. Oh, Okay. I have seen those on men, like dress shirts. Yeah, but they had them for women. Yeah. They were huge in the eighties. They're like, they they're they're metal and they're like springy and they'll pinch your arm hair in a hot second. <laughs> Guys, I just googled sleeve garters and one of the ads that came up like at the top, like the shop. Is the zebra ads? print crotchless pants? Yes, <laughs> zebra print crotchless body stocking. Excuse me, I'm doing. I'm, I'm on my phone right now. I gotta see this. I know. I feel like one of our podcast episodes is just gonna have to be Stephanie and Megan Google stuff. <laughs> what the fuck is happening to the internet? <laughs> oh man. Oh my god. Well, okay. Well, thank you for join jo- joining me down this rabbit trail because <laughs> I I couldn't I couldn't let this episode finish out without talking about nap dresses and apparently. All that that entails. Sleeve so. garters are available at Walmart.com if you are interested. <laughs> interested in purchasing some some sleeve garters. We need to get you guys a sponsored ad from Hill House and Walmart.com. Perfect. They go together. It really fits our brand. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh. So next week, we're going to spend some time getting nosy about each other, and uh, we're going to start with Megan interviewing me. Yes, I'm going to have lots of uh, juicy questions, and I'm not going to let you see them ahead of time. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) In the meantime, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and listen to us on your favorite platform. You can also follow us on social media at IRSA Podcast or send us an email at I'd rather stay in podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Bye.